Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you and Christ Jesus. Have you ever had someone quote this to you when you're in the middle of great suffering? Or even minor suffering? And you have to bite your tongue so you won't scream? Or you won't reply with something very sarcastic? Of course, we know that when people quote a scripture like this, they're just trying to be incredibly helpful. But sometimes when you know they have no idea what you're going through, it can be hard to hear something like this. But I think it makes sense to have that initial reaction. I think that's an okay reaction to have as, as a person. Especially because often the underlying message that might not be intended from the person saying it, I'm not suggesting that at all, but often the underlying message we hear is a suggestion that maybe we're not good Christians if we're not thanking God in all circumstances, right? That sometimes is the problem with taking scripture out of context and just using what I call bumper sticker theology. That's the problem with bumper sticker theology. It has no context, and it can be much more damaging than the hope that it's supposed to give us. So now, when people say that to us, we not only have our difficult situations that we're dealing with, but sometimes we have the added stress of guilt and fear that somehow we're letting God down. Because, oh, I haven't been thankful, you're right. Etc., etc. But maybe that's not the point. Maybe that's never the point of Scripture, ever. Maybe Scripture is just this big, beautiful, amazing story that's all about good news. All about helping us understand the good news. That in the end, God wins. That's, that's this beautiful book that is made up of, from all these authors and, and this grand narrative that when it gets to the final ending, it, God wins. Love wins. Maybe that's what the Bible is. And so maybe all these things that are in there that we want to pull out and, and use all separate by themselves without connected any way to that great story, maybe that's never what the Holy Spirit ever, ever intended about Scripture. Ever. Maybe instead of having anything to do at all with some sort of barometer of our faith, these kind of golden nuggets in Scripture are more wonderful invitations to authentic human beings. Maybe that's what Scripture's about. Wonderful invitation to authentic human being. See, this good news is discovered throughout Scripture, and it seems to always be about it, doesn't it, when you read it as a whole? But of course, that's the first challenge, and that's why I've been challenging us since January that we're supposed to be reading through the Bible this year, right? It's November. It's a little late to start if you haven't yet, but you've still got some time left. Go for it. Because one of the things that is really necessary is reading the Bible. It's really necessary. Because otherwise, if you don't read it for yourself and you've never read the whole book, it's really hard. You shouldn't really have any hard and fast opinions about it. Honest. So I'm 52 and, you know, through my umpteenth time reading it, I'm realizing, oh boy, I've often held opinions that really don't come from this Bible. They come from what people have told me the Bible says. So anyway, when we read the whole thing, what you find is that it's all good news. The lost are always found. I know, I know, that happens to me too.
The lost get found, the least are great, the last are first, and the best of all, the dead are raised. What's more beautiful and hopeful than that? It's good news. See, this is what one of the ancient prophets said. He said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. What a beautiful verse. It's in the middle of horrors, though. Read the prophets. They're not really fun guys. But they got the bigger picture. And so in the middle of chaos and utter, utterance and, and in the middle of seeming God's anger and seeming God's willingness to destroy us, the prophets, but wait, wait, that's really not the big picture. I'm focused on this picture right now, Jeremiah says, but remember, here's the story. Here's the plan. It's good news. And, and even when God finally showed up in the flesh, he said, listen, I've come that you might have life and, and have it to the full, despite our circumstances. Good news. God's will for us is good news. So, if that is the overriding theme of Scripture, that God's will for us is good, and that God wins in the end, and he loves us, and, and I think that that ultimately that has to be the story of this Bible because God died for us. So, right? So, okay. So, if that is the deal, that God's will for us is good news, well then, now we can go back to this statement that Paul made. And it's fascinating. This is God's will for you. Oh. See? So, if we believe God's will is only for our good, now we can re-examine what Paul is saying here. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is good for you. This is good for you. So let's talk about that. Someone once wrote, we tend to think that it is being unhappy that leads people to complain, but it is truer to say that it is complaining that leads people to becoming unhappy. I like that. Now, I'm not crazy about the word happy, however. But the happy isn't really a scriptural word, so that's, that's you know, that's a, an American constitution word that we're all, you know, the pursuit of happiness is the end of man. I, th thank God the constitution isn't the uh, scriptures. But anyway, sorry if I just offended anyone, but <laughs> the pursuit of happiness is a myth. It's one of the grand myths of humanity that in the West we have embraced, that it's all about my happiness and it doesn't matter about anyone else. Nope, nope, the biblical narrative is entirely different than that. If you're not into Christianity, that's fine. That, that, I will not argue with you, you're not into Christianity. But you can't be into Christianity and be into your personal happiness as the pursuit of humanity. You just can't. It's, it's God left God to be man and get killed. There. So there, there's, all right, sorry. Let me get back on to my notes here. I still like this quote because... In the context of God's joy, let's use joy, okay? Human happiness is, is one thing. God's joy, that's that peace that passes understanding. Joy is that thing that, that you know, in the face of horrible consequences, you, you can still have a, an unexplainable peace. So let, let's use God's joy. And that's why I like that quote. Complaining often leads us to losing joy, right? Because when we're complaining, what are we doing? We're focusing on everything that's bad instead of focusing on that as good. So then if that's the case, if complaining can lead to a loss of joy, 
then what is the opposite of complaining? Gratitude. Right? Being thankful. Being thankful. Gratitude, I think, opens us up to God and his peace. It opens us up to God and his will for us. It opens us up to hope. That's why I played that great song. Hold on to hope. And that is all good. And I think this is why all of our Judeo-Christian tradition places such emphasis on giving thanks. On giving thanks. Scripture, liturgy, songs, all give much space to thanking God. It's God's way of inviting us into life as he intends it for us. Not into a life that's all about our personal pleasure, but into a life of joy despite our circumstances. Peace despite our circumstances. Into a life of hope that no matter what happens and how bad it gets, light light is winning. And life wins, right? It is God's way of having his will work out in our life. That's beautiful. Consider this very interesting ending to the story of the ten lepers. So, the ten lepers, remember Jesus is, is on his way somewhere and, and there's ten lepers and they cry out, have mercy on us and he says, well, go yourself, go show yourselves to the priest and as they went, they were cleansed. Okay, so he heals them all. He heals them all. Then, this man already healed comes back and he says, and, and he, he says to him, he threw us up at Jesus' feet and thanked him, right? So there's the thanksgiving. And Jesus says, go, your faith has made you well. But he was, he was already well. So weren't the other nine well? So what was Jesus getting at then? Certainly wasn't his faith that, that, that was the mechanism for healing. His body, anyway. I think... Though he was healed, unlike the other nine at this moment. Because I think what happened is his thankfulness is what opens him to a deeper healing. To a deeper redemption. That comes from receiving. In order to receive, what do we first have to recognize? In order to receive something, what do you first have to recognize? Giving a gift. Right, you've been given a gift. What else to receive that? What's that? I, I'm sorry. I get. Yeah, but but even much more basic than that. Need. In order to receive, you have to first recognize that you have a need, and isn't that what being thankful ultimately means? And maybe to go along with everything we've been studying for the last three months, maybe that's why we're not particularly thankful people. Because remember, what, what do we love to be? Self-sufficient. We love to be God. We love to worship ourselves. This is why the pursuit of happiness is such a powerful myth, especially for us. Because we are in charge. We are the independent ones. We're raised from the beginning of time to be like that. Really? The biblical narrative is very different. In fact, one of the first things God said after the whole myth got in there was, Hey, uh, Cain, where's your brother? 
don't care. He should take care of himself. He's a man. Uh, no, Cain. We all need each other. I think being thankful starts there. It's an awareness, a deep awareness that we need others. We need the divine other and we need the human other. We need. In the Hebrew, the idea of gratitude and confession are similar. This is how Jeff Jacoby writes it. Giving thanks is, the, is to confess dependence, to acknowledge that others have the power to benefit you, to admit that your life is better because of their efforts. That's what thanking God is, to admit our lives are better because of his efforts. The healed leper had this humility. He thanked God for the good that Jesus had done in him. And ultimately, this is what the Eucharist is all about. The Eucharist. We, we celebrate the Eucharist every week here at Cana. We're, we're going to celebrate it today in a different way today, but we're going to celebrate it. And what this Eucharist is all about, the proper posture for Eucharist is to be thankful. We come to this table and we say to God, I could never, ever have saved myself. I need you to save me. Thank you for saving me. That's why we have an open table here at Cana. That's the only posture. None of you deserve this. I don't deserve this table. You don't have to be part of a club to be at this table. The only thing you have to be careful of when you come to this table is that you don't think you deserve it. That's exactly what St. Paul was ripping the Corinthians for. Boy, did that message get all twisted. I spent the first 30 years of my life being afraid of this table because I was never allowed to take it as a teenager. Because I'd drive home drunk, the car beside me is in the parking lot, and the next morning on the way to church, Dad would say, don't take communion today, you were drunk last night. Boy, I wish then I knew God loved me even when I got drunk. I would have spent the last... 30 years trying to learn to be thankful for a God that just loves me because of who I am, not because of what I did. That's what's so beautiful about communion. That's why Jesus established this. I'm sorry if you've been hurt by it. It's the most beautiful thing Jesus ever gave us. I died for you. Come and thank me every week, every time you get together. But don't you dare come up and thank me if you think you saved yourself. This is Thanksgiving. Recognizing that life and all that is in it is from God. Every week we practice coming here to this table and we learn to be thankful for what only he could give. And it changes us. It changes us. Scripture asserts, the psalmist asserts, that everything in the world... Oh, my clicker just died. Who's back there, Jared? Just give me the next slide. Thanks. Scripture asserts that in all the word, all that is in it belongs to God. So being thankful then for even the smallest good is to open our hearts to God. You can go to that last slide, Jared, thanks. To say thank you for every grace, knowing that every grace we have is ultimately from God. To practice this life of thanksgiving is to enter, I think, into the life God desires for us. For when we are busy being thankful, 
and genuinely surprised at life's blessings, instead of ungratefully imagining we are entitled to them, we have no time to be surprised at life's cruelties when we have no space to live outside of his peace. And everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Amen.